Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I've been thinking it's not good for a truck to look like this, <laughs> right? Oh, I haven't seen many of those in our road and it's not good for trucks to look like this, wouldn't you agree? Uh, trucks should look a little bit more like this image that we've got there. That's, oh, doesn't that make some of you organised people just breathe? I love that, all right? Go back to the first one for me, Cara. Right, if the truck's not meant to look like this, your life is not meant to look like this. And if there are some of you that are brave enough, some of you this morning, I think you feel that your life looks like this, right? Some of you have started this morning, you'll be like, uh, do I say kind of Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, because it's almost like the year's already gone already, and then you look at your calendars and you feel all upset because you realize it's only February, going on March. <laughs> Right? Life's not meant to look like this. Life works better when we make room for margin. That's the life hack that I want to talk about this morning. We've been talking about life hacks. If you're above the age of 30, uh, the life hack is a colloquial term meaning some form of shorthand trick or shortcut that makes life feel more efficient. And I thought, I'd been wondering over the last couple of weeks if there's life hacks for life. What if there were life hacks for the soul? More specifically, what if there were life hacks for Christianity? Because I'm an efficient sort of person, and I thought, I'd just like to find, what are, what are the three best things that I could do this year to hack my Christianity? And uh, I thought I would share them with you. And last week, I talked about accentuating your acceptance. And I would warn you this morning, do not do this this morning if you have not done last week. That was your homework, okay? This will not work this week unless you've done last week. And I will show you that this morning. This morning, though, I want to talk about making room for margin. And if we know that life is not meant to look like an overloaded truck, then why is it that we live so close to the edge? Have you found this with people? I mean, the rest of life, we don't live near the edge. You know, every time I go to a lovely vista in the national park, I'm stopped by a thing called a railing and, and I stand at the edge of the lookout. You know, you don't live near the edge when you drive your car down the road. Most of you, most of you, Drive inside the lines, right? Why is it if we are at a lookout or we're driving that we obey the rules of living near the edges and when it comes to life, we keep pushing through? And I think what I see as a pastor is it's, it's one or two things. <laughs> one, one or two things. FOMO or FOFO are the two reasons why we do this. FOMO or FOFO. FOMO, the first one is fear of missing out. Uh, we, we live close to the edge because we feel like we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on that house. We're going to miss out on that business deal. We're going to miss out on that school opportunity for our kids. Uh, we're going to miss out on that social interaction. And so we keep pushing our lives to the edge relationally and financially because we've got FOMO. And then the other one is uh, FOFO. You know, FOMO and FOFO. FOFO is uh, fear of failing others. You push yourself to the edge because you go, oh, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let them down. They need me. They need me. My boss needs me. My work needs me. If I don't do this, then I'm going to get myself fired, right? Have you ever heard these things in your head? Am I just preaching to myself this morning? Could it be that part of the reason we push ourselves to the edge so much is because of fear? Fear of missing out, fear of failing others, and... Uh, 
It's one thing to know it, but the challenge is at some point there's a breaking point to these limits that we have in our life. And you've seen this. There's nothing fun about watching a friend's marriage dissolve because they've pushed themselves to the limits financially or relationally. There's nothing fun about watching a friend go on the verge of bankruptcy because they've over-leveraged and, and, and their debt limits look like that truck. There's nothing fun in watching a busy mum or a dad push every aspect of their schedule to the absolute limit that their kids are wondering where they are. These things are real for us, so make room for margin. And here's what margin is. Margin is the space between your current pace and your future limits. Your current pace and your limits, right? Yes, I said that. That might be the bad news for some of you this morning. Uh, you are limited. I know that's so, like, you know, countercultural these days to say that, right? Because, you know, high capacity is so cool right now. You know, life hacking is so cool right now, right? You are limited. There are limits to you. And the thing is, like, you're going to find those limits one or two ways. You're going to find it the easy way or the hard way. And the hard way that you find those limits is that either life can tell you what those limits are or God can tell you what those limits are, right? And, and you can start with the hard way. The hard way to find your limits is, I don't know, try this as a case study. Why don't you just head out this morning and just run your life as hard as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can and see what that does to the relationships and the people around you, right? In fact, some of you might be living with a marginless person or friend at the moment in your life, right? And you know all to it, don't, don't bump them in your, don't, right? That's why we have margin between the seats for these sorts of regions. You thought it was still COVID. No, it's so you can't elbow your friend or your partner in church to say, see, he's talking about you. But you, you've lived with marginless people before, right? Now, haven't you experienced that? When we lack margin, right, the stress level goes up. People get snappy. We're jumping at people. We're snapping at people. The other thing that happens when, when the, there's mar less margin in our life is that our focus narrows, right? Like if, if I stand this close to the edge of the stage here, what's happening for you as you're watching this, right? Who's, who's more worried about what we're talking about this morning and who's more worried about that Sam's going to roll an ankle, right? When, when we... When we don't have margin, then our focus narrows. And so you can push these things and maybe some of these things that I'm talking about are evidence to you that you are lacking margin in your life. And you can find out the hard way, <laughs> run yourself as hard as you possibly can, or you can find out the easy way. And the easy way is to discover God's loving limits. And actually, if you see the Bible, the Bible is kind of screaming, make room for margin, right since the beginning of when it was all written. In fact, it's part of God's design and plan that we have margin in our lives. And we see this in these passages this morning. In Levitic Leviticus chapter 19, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. And then in Deuteronomy, in chapter 24, verse 19, 
It says, when you are harvesting in your field, same concept, and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. You know, what we see, particularly in our passage in Leviticus, is a beautiful God-given process called gleaning. And gleaning was this process where you didn't, as a predominantly agricultural society, work yourself to the edges of your field. In other words, God's saying, when you go to the National Park and you see the vista, stay behind the railing. Don't push all you can. Don't do all you can. Don't extract every last little centimeter and every last little dollar out of everything that you do when you farm the land. God is saying, I am giving you a God-given limit. There's a limit. I've put it before you and it's called gleaning. And so he's saying to us this morning, before you push yourself to the limit, I'm setting one for you. And to which some of you this morning say, ah, oh, well, yeah, it's exactly what I thought about Christianity. You know, it's, this is God that's always saying, no, 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 no. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not do this. That's no, 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 right? It's just Christianity's a killjoy. It's exactly what I thought. And this is exactly what I thought God was about, just saying no all the time. But then I'm thinking when I hear you say that, if you are saying that this morning, isn't that what every loving parent does? Isn't that every loving parent's job is to say no to your children? Right? Mum, dad, you know, can I have some sour straps before I go to bed? No, you cannot have sour straps before you go to bed. Right? <laughs> can we stay up and watch a bit more of the movie? No, you can't stay up. It's 9.45pm and you'll be wrecked in the morning and we've got to go to church. Right? <laughs> It's every loving parent's job to say no. And God is a loving parent to us. What we have to understand is that God's no to us is as crucially important as his yes. God's loving no is as crucially important as his yes. Kurt Thompson, a Christian psychologist, says this. He says, in fact, we, we live in a culture where we are at pains to imagine that love could possibly offer anything but yes as the answer to anything we desire and perceive as good. And this extends to our impressions of God. We would be hard-pressed to imagine a God whose love is anything but kind, generous, empathetic and welcoming. But we're not as seamlessly able or willing to imagine that God would ever say no as an explicit function of his loving us. And then he goes on to say, love is as much about no as it is about yes. And isn't this the thing for us? Don't we find this? Have you ever caught yourself doing this? That when we pray to God, have you found that our default posture towards God is a posture for a yes? God, I'm really struggling with this. Will you give this to me? God, I really want this to be happening in this relationship. Will you give this to me? God, can I have sour straps just before I go to bed? I know we laugh, but that's what our prayers sound like, right? And if we get a no, oh, God's not good. Either that or people going, I'm not praying right. You know, is this thing turned on? You know, I call up Sam, do I chuck in a thou art or holy father or I've got to do the crossy thing, right? That's, that's what we think. <laughs> Instead, I wonder if this morning there's new perspective in light of God's loving limits. That sometimes we come to realize 
that his loving no is as important in our lives as his yes. You will see this all throughout Scripture. And I just picked one gleaning this morning, but we could have a whole sermon series on this. Sabbath. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. To put down your work for one day out of seven, that's the version of not going all the ways to the ends of the field. The tithe. Wouldn't you all love a sermon on the tithe for 35 minutes? Right? Look at you all going, yep, we got it, we got it, we got, we got the point. <laughs> right? You know, setting forth a, a portion of your income to say that I will not spend everything that comes in. God's loving limits in our lives. God sets these limits because we are limits. Paul said we are treasures in jars of clay. We will discover these limits the easy way or the hard way. And my hope this morning is we will discover it the easy way, which is the paradoxical way to come under God's loving limits in our lives. God's loving, no, God's ordained limits for our lives. And, and to which we say, well, why does he have to limit us like that? You know, doesn't he know that I'm an inspired, empowered individual? Right? Like, why does he have to be such a killjoy in all of this? I think part of the reasons, because I know you well enough, and I know me well enough, that if God does not set limits in our lives, then we will just not obey them. And we'll burn out, and we'll run out, and we'll be stressed out, and we'll be caught out. And so simply... Simply this morning, I want to ask us, why is it that we have to live so close to the edge? And for some of you, it's going to mean this morning that you're going to need to think about areas of your life where you're going to come back from the edge. Do you really need to make that decision to go into that level of indebtedness? Do you, do you really need to be doing those extra hours when the kids are at home waiting for you? Do you really need to be spending that much time obsessing over what he or she has said? To which I know how we're thinking because it's how I think and it's, it's how I feel scared about this every time, right? I think we're going to find this morning that when you experiment with this, that you saying no to people is not a lack of discipline, but it's actually to do with a lack of faith. Faith that God has got this. Faith that, and you see this in the passage in Deuteronomy, fascinating perspective in that too. When you are harvesting your field and overlook a sheaf, don't go back to get it, leave it for the foreigner, so that, underline this in Deuteronomy 20, 24, so that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands. Now, there's a fascinating principle in that as we finish this morning. And it's something that I say to myself all the time. And it's a saying that I want to give to you this morning. And, and it, it, it's the thing that solves the fear for us. And this is what the way that we can solve this tension that we feel when we have to pull back from the things that are so close to the edge. I say this. I say, Lord, I'm going to do all that I can do so you can multiply what I did do. Want to repeat it after me? Lord, I'll do what I can do so you can multiply what I did do. Right? Here's my deal with God in the way that I work these days. Lord, when I get into work, it might be a busy week. It may not be a not-so-busy week. But I, the deal is, Lord, between you and me, I'm going to give you 150% of the 80% that I'm giving you this week. 
and I'm going to work as hard, I'm going to work as crazy, and I'm going to work as efficient. I'm even going to find like Google Drive and Asana and all those cool tools that we can use as pastors to make church go better, right? I'm going to do all I can to hack my life to give you 150% in that moment. But when I leave the office and I leave my work, Lord, I've done all that I can do so you can multiply what I did do. I just wonder what that would mean for your life if you began praying that prayer. I wonder what it would mean for the way that you breathe, the way that you're just able to exhale, the way that you're able to parent, the way that you're able to care for the grandkids, the way that you're stewarding your finances. Lord, I'll do all that I can do so you can multiply what I did too, because for me, it's not about efficiency and it's not about a new hack. It's about faith that God will do something with what I have given him in that space. And guys, when we drive ourselves so dangerously close to the limit, like there are relationships at stake. There are marriages at stake. There are friendships at stake. There are kids that are yearning for your time. There are grandkids that are yearning for your time. And the gift that we've got from God's ordained limits this morning is that you can walk out of this place and live a different life where you can just breathe a little bit. Wouldn't you like that this morning? But it's going to take faith and it's going to take courage to carve these things out in our life. Where do you need some margin? Is it in your schedule? Is it in your finances? Is it in your relationships? Wherever it might be, if the pace of life is keeping us from the things that are most important, don't you think we should do something about that? In which case, make room for margin. Let's pray. Father, the stresses that we feel this morning, Lord, are real. And there are some of us that feel trapped by the things that are pushing in on our life. And I pray that in the first instance, Lord, just your peace and comfort would be over each and every one of us that may be feeling that anxiety around, Lord, I can't possibly do what Sam's talking about this morning, or if there's just even a frustration this morning, Lord, that, well, what would he know? He's a pastor. They just read books all day and talk on a Sunday. Um, Lord, uh, it's real for all of us. And wonderfully, I pray for this precious community that maybe our gift to the watching world this year is going to be a place of margin. A place where people breathe. A place where people are present with one another. A place where we're not so rushed. A place where we've carved out time to listen and to, to love one another. A place that's countercultural. A place that's beautiful. Outside of this community, I'm praying that there would be parents and grandparents and friends, partners, spouses that are that little bit more present this week because of the prayer that we're praying to you, Father. Lord, we'll do all we can do this week so that you would multiply what we did do. And we leave uh, the mystery of that result to you. And we rest in that, Father, as our awareness of that truth is brought and drilled into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I pray that this morning in Jesus' mighty name.
Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.